to People Like Us, a podcast for and about third culture kids everywhere. I'm Jen Mohindra. I'm also a TCK and I have a Facebook group for TCK adults called, unsurprisingly, People Like Us. So hello and for today's episode of People Like Us, I'm delighted to have with me from Perth in West Australia, Tamara Yusri. Tamara, hi, thank you for joining me today. Hey, hello, thank you for having me on your show. I'm very excited to be here. My pleasure and how are you doing in sunny Perth? Oh, good, good. Now that we're, um, the weather's getting warmer and we're heading into, uh, well, we're in spring, heading into summer, which all my friends on the other side of the world find very confusing. Uh, I'm <laughs> feeling, I'm feeling good. Excellent. <laughs> good to hear. So as with other episodes, I'm going to kick off um, today's session with my usual question, which is, would you like to tell me about where you grew up? Definitely. Um, well, I grew up in Kuwait, which um, I have to sometimes explain to people. It's a tiny country located in the Middle East, very close to Iraq. Um, I think Iraq's a bit more well known. So yeah, I grew up in Kuwait, uh, very, very small. Uh, I lived there for 11 years. Um, and yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I lived there with my family, my parents, my sister, my brother um, on Fridays, which is uh, the equivalent to Sundays in the, in the Western world. We would go to the beach, um, which was five, a five minute drive. Uh, I loved my school. Um, yeah, Kuwait's a predominantly uh, Muslim country, culture. Um, so there was that. Um, my, yeah, my, my parents, my mom is English, my dad's Egyptian, so we had the Muslim uh, celebrations like Eid, but we also had um, Christmas and Easter. Um, but yeah, it was great. I, I grew up there until I was 11, and then the Gulf War happened in 1990, the invasion of Kuwait by Iraq, and then we, uh, we were on holiday in Egypt when that happened, so we were told, my dad said, we, we can't basically go back. So, um, so that's marked the end of my my childhood in Kuwait but that's so I always think of my, my growing up my, my very formative years were in Kuwait and then I moved on to other places after that. That sounds like quite an abrupt move to have happened to you at quite a young age to have gone from um, to Egypt. How was that? What are your memories of I know I, honestly it was so traumatic but you know today it's kind of like oh yeah and by the way we had a war and that's why you know it's it's just become part of my narrative but I mean it really was traumatizing uh, I was 11 years old so you can imagine at that age to be told you'll never go home again and in one summer to have lost um, my entire life really my you know my friends my school the beach my family because my family also split up after that so the world as I knew it was gone in just one summer so um, I had to learn how to um, survive after that and it was very very difficult um, in retrospect I think my mom and dad should have sent me to see like a, count a counselor or something because I really struggled with moving on after that but um, yeah it was difficult uh, we ended up going to Scotland for one year uh, to live uh, with my grandmother because the the bank's in, uh, in Kuwait were raided 
and uh, my, my dad didn't have any more money at the time. So uh, my, the choices were either stay in Egypt and go to school there um, or go to Scotland um, where my grandmother lived and then the schooling was free there. So they asked me one, one summer, that summer, they said, oh, what do you want to do? You can either stay with dad because dad's going to stay in Egypt and work or you can um, go and live with Nan in uh, Scotland. What would you like to do? I said, I'd like to stay here with dad. Um, the next day they said, you're going to Scotland. <laughs> so um, they made the choice for me, even though it seemed like I had the choice. So I trooped off to Scotland with my mum and lived with my grandmother and my brother. And then, so did a year there and then, then I moved and to what Egypt. what age was that? So that was 11 going on 12. Okay um so yeah that's that was a difficult year all of a sudden being we were up in Aberdeen in Granite City which is gray mm -hmm. and um in a school filled with different kinds of people than what I was used to and um yeah then I mean it was it was a hard hard year for sure and then I had to move to Egypt after that so uh, although I am half Egyptian I had never lived there so it's a lot of, you know, I, I began to question my identity, really, like, who was I? And what, what, how did I identify? And what cultures did I identify with? Because growing up in Kuwait, it was a very international um, environment. Um, so it didn't really matter where you were from, everyone was from a different place. But all of a sudden, I was faced with these uh, questions of, oh, I'm half English and half Egyptian, I'm supposed to be this and supposed to be that. And um, so yeah, it was, and then growing, growing up anyway, just having your normal growing pains. Mm. Uh, it was, yeah, it was tricky. Yeah, it's interesting you say it's was supposed to be this, supposed to be that. People wanting to fit you into the box that they're familiar with. Mm. Yeah, I always struggled with that. So how, so. apart from, I mean, the sort of uprooting at, difficult age to Scotland, it must have felt just so different. I mean, the weather, the people, everything. Yeah, absolutely. Very different. And I mean, I grew up in the Middle East, so around Arab people, whether mm. from Palestine or Lebanon or Syria or Egypt or Kuwait, all Arab countries, plus expats from other places all over from Europe, from South America, from the States. Um, yeah, so it was, um, it was very difficult being, being in Scotland where the demographics were very different. So, you know, I was up in, um, in Aberdeen, it wasn't um, like a hub or anything. Um, you went, so the majority of people were either English or Scottish there were a lot of Dutch up there because um, the, 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 the oil. So there were a lot mm -hmm. of Dutch families over working there. Um, yeah, and then there was me and I felt like I couldn't really identify with a lot of the people there. Very nice people, but I just found it very difficult uh, being that young and you know, looking into the faces of other people. I felt like my color was even a bit different. I was, you know, got browner skin, mm -hmm. uh, dark hair, and I was looking at all these um, different looking people that were whiter and blue sure. eyes and you know and they all looked um not they didn't all look the same but that was you know that was the common look as opposed mm -hmm. to a darker look 
Um, and as a child, you want to be the same and you want to fit in. And I didn't oh. feel like I fit in, you know, I just felt very different. I remember going to PE and we all had shorts on. And I remember distinctly on my first day looking around and I thought, oh, I've got brown legs. Everyone else has got white legs. And I went home and I told my mom, mom, I've got brown legs, you know, and she goes, well, you're very lucky. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just felt it was very, very, um, I just stood out and I didn't want to stand out. Yeah, it can be quite alienating as a child to, um, to not be like everyone else. Yeah, it really did feel like that at, an, at a time where you just want to be like everyone else. Yeah. So um, to Scotland, then on to Egypt, and how long did you spend in Egypt then? So Egypt, I spent the best part of 20 years. That was you know, my, um, the longest place I've ever lived in, but I did come and go a lot. So Egypt mm -hmm. was my base and I did leave in the middle here and there. And I went to England for seven months and went back and then, um, did England again after a few years for two years and, um, went to Norway for a year from England, um, and then returned to Egypt. And so those are my main moves within my 20 years of Egypt. But so generally I was in Egypt for 20 years. Yeah, like the sort but, um, of TCK in terms of hopping around and uh, yeah, but it was it was really difficult. Places. Like in, yeah, in Egypt, I think I was so scarred by the Gulf War mm. and that I felt that I wasn't supposed to be in Egypt. I was in denial about the Gulf War happening, and I thought my that's not how my life was supposed to turn out. I'm supposed to be in Kuwait right now, and I'm supposed to be doing this, this, and this, and going to these classes with my friends, my best friends. And I'm not supposed to be here. And I had this sort of limiting belief of I'm not supposed to be here for years, but I wasn't aware that I had it. Mm. So um, I didn't really embrace living in Egypt for a very, very long time, which made life very difficult, as you can imagine. Mm. And uh, the Egyptian culture, I felt, was very forced upon me. Um, Egyptians are very proud and, you know, it was kind of like, oh, well, your dad's Egyptian, therefore you're Egyptian. It was quite, it's quite a patriarchal society. And mm -hmm. I was thinking, but, I, but I'm half English as well. I'm not fully Egyptian. Um, and, I, and, and what is Egyptian? I didn't even know what that was. Like, what does it mean to be Egyptian? Um, and Egyptians spoke a certain way. They spoke Egyptian Arabic. Um, they maybe dressed a certain way. Um, I had to learn all these things. And because I felt like I was being put in a box, I, I rejected the culture for a very long time. And, and I also didn't want to learn the language, which didn't do me any favors. I wasn't open to it at all. Um, mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I didn't really, um, it just, I just made, I don't, I made my life difficult. I don't think I was aware, uh, but it, I, I think if I had been more open, I would have learned the language and I just would have had enjoyed my, my time there more. Instead, I was fighting it for years and years and years. So what do you think helped you to move on from that fight with yourself? Um, well, I think I, I remember distinctly meeting someone from Germany in, um, in Egypt. Uh, I was 19 and he absolutely loved Egypt. And he was a very like interesting person. Um, we got along very well. And I just started to see Egypt through his eyes. 
through you know his foreign eyes and and I just thought wow he really loves his country you know and he just um he just sort of he didn't mean to but he showed me how beautiful Egypt was uh in a way and then I mm -hmm. thought oh yeah it is actually I want to be more like that I want to learn the language and so I had been there so what 12 to 19 is how many years 12 seven. about seven years yeah I had been there seven years already and and it was only when I was about 19 that I started thinking, yeah, I want to learn the language. I want to get better at it. And I left high school um, there and I went to university there at that point. Um, my high school was like a little bubble of foreign expats and a, peppered with a few Egyptians. But uh, the my university there was full of Egyptians. So it was my first time to be really immersed in an institution with Egyptians. Um, so I started to get to know Egyptians and hear Arabic more. and. Um, yeah, and then I just began to um, understand the culture a bit better. And it was interesting because as I understood the culture better and I was more open to it, my relationship with my dad improved a lot because then I realized why he was the way he was, why he thought the way he thought. And it, before that, it was like dad would say something and I'd think, he's just really weird and he's difficult and he's got these funny ideas. But then I realized he's not actually, he's just Egyptian. <laughs> he just has Egyptian <laughs> ideas, you know? Oh. But, yeah, so, so really, really illuminating to, to understand, to finally understand like if you learn a language of, of a place, then you have a whole, um, like a whole new door opens. You've got this key to like humor and, you know, you've got so much more insight into a place and, and people. And mm. I just realized, really, Egyptians are amazing. They're funny and they're warm. And yeah, I mean, I, I really had a different um, outlook after that. It sounds like having had somebody to help you see things from a different perspective was really key to mm. your moving forward with that. Mm. Yeah. So I, I don't, he, he, he's not, he wouldn't even be aware of it. It's just, yeah. this, you know, little uh, encounter I had. So 20 years or so in Egypt and then what came next? Um, well, 20 years. Uh, so like I say, in the 20 years, I did go to the UK a few times. I did a yeah. master's degree in, in intercultural communications mm -hmm. in the UK, um, which was super interesting. And I felt like I was finally putting all the pieces of my life together. Um, and then I, I was in London and I was looking for work and I couldn't find any work. Um, so I moved up to Norway. I, I know it sounds really random, but my, one of my best friends who's half Egyptian, half Norwegian lived there at the time. And I mm -hmm. went to visit her and I ended up um, just moving up there because I really had nothing in the UK to, to hang on to. Mm -hmm. And I got a job within three days at a school in Norway and I ended up experiencing Norwegian culture and I loved it. But long story short, I, I thought, am I gonna spend my life in Norway? I'm not really sure. My dad was kind of like, you should come home. So I thought, okay, I'll come home. So I went back to Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then I, I realized I would like to um, be, feel a bit more grounded and I felt like I was floating around in life so I mm -hmm. um like I was collecting all these degrees but I wasn't really doing anything with them um at that point I was te I wasn't teaching but I was an assistant teacher at at, at a school 
I had done that for a few years and uh, my main reason for doing that was because I wanted to travel in the, in the holidays. You get paid holidays, you can travel. And so yep. maybe the wrong reason, <laughs> but that's, that was my reason for being a teacher, um, an assistant teacher. And I thought, okay, why don't you just um, do some more studies and become a teacher to have the same lifestyle, but get paid a bit more. So I did that. And then, uh, and I wanted to have a job where I could work anywhere in the world. And I, I always use Peru as an example, even though I've never been to Peru, nor do I want to live there. But I always said, that, you know, if I, if I had to live in Peru, I could live in Peru. I could get a job in, a, in basically a random place. So, um, so I thought teaching, you know, is very, it's a good, good choice. Um, so I got my teaching degree, my first teaching degree. I did it. Uh, it was a, an, a distance learning course with the University of um, Sunderland in the UK mm -hmm. and taught for a few years in Egypt, got my, got those skills under my belt. And then I um, got a, I was applied for jobs overseas. I wanted to live overseas again, but this time I wanted to actually be able to live overseas and not go back to Egypt just because things got a bit difficult. Um, so I ended up finding a job in Singapore. Um, I really wanted to, to find work in Europe, couldn't find any jobs. Um, so I ended up moving to Singapore uh, and yeah, I got a job there. So I was there for two years and then I started to come down to Perth. Um, my sister has been here for about 16 years and I started to come down and visit her. And then after my two years in Singapore was up, I thought you could go back to Europe, um, but then if you do, you're not really gonna going to see your siblings because uh, my brother was also living in Singapore, mm -hmm. uh, and I hadn't lived with them or really gotten to know them since the Gulf War. So since I was eleven, that's when our family split up. My sister and brother went to the UK for uni because they're older than I am. Mm -hmm. um, so all these years later, I was still trying to put my life's pieces back together. Somehow, yeah, I was trying yeah. to con connect the dots in my life because I just felt they were always so scattered. So I you know, ended up in Asia and um, getting to know my brother. And then two years later, I went down and decided I went to Perth to live in Australia here. That's where I am now. And I met my husband and he's from here. And um, I mean, that's a long story short, but I, I was really trying to, to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. um, so I managed to, I've got my siblings around now, but my parents are in <laughs> Egypt and England. <laughs> still spread out <laughs> still spread out and that's just the story of my life so i have to accept it <laughs> so how you mentioned your siblings being a bit older because they went to university and i guess you were still at school one thing that i'm finding interesting with, with these conversations is how different an experience siblings within a tck family kind of um felt about the TCK experience. Do you feel that's the case with your siblings? I mean, it sounds like you've moved around a bit. Do you think they've been more settled or? Um, yeah, I think I think my, uh, my sister has been. She ha doesn't have, we talk about this. She doesn't have any of these. She hasn't had any of these identity issues. Um, where am I from and all, all of that stuff. Um, she, really lives very much for the present. And uh, we are also very different kinds of people. Um, she lived in the UK for as long as I lived in Egypt. I think it's roughly 20 years. 
-hmm. in the UK. Um, so she had that experience. My, so my mother's country and I had my living in my father's country. Um, mm -hmm. So we're also culturally quite different, which is interesting if you meet us and our accents are different. Hers is English, mine is more American. Um, but yeah, she, so she, she lived in England. She, di she didn't mind England at all. Um, she just hated the, uh, the cold and the winters. Yeah. They really depressed her. So when her husband, when she and her husband decided to move to Australia, it was also looking for some sunshine. And uh, she ended up in Perth and she loves Perth and she hasn't looked, they haven't looked back since. And, yeah. um, and for her, this is where home is. And well, for now, and this is where her kids are. And, um, yeah, she's very happy and she doesn't have any of these questions of identity and trying to connect her dots and all this stuff. So this is all me and my mind. But, you know, also, I mean, we are different people, but we have a different a different story. And, you know, she didn't she didn't experience the Gulf War like I did. You know, she left Kuwait when she was 18 to go to university. The Gulf War hadn't happened yet. So she was just moving on to, to go to uni. Uh, whereas I was 11 and still in my formative years and and every all of that stuff happened so so I think the trauma for me was far greater than any for her if there was any at all mm, mm. um so yeah you know we we had different experiences so you know she, yeah you mentioned how she feels at home um in Perth has been now I think he's done 16 years yeah what makes a place feel like home for you um honestly i really feel like home is where my parents are mm -hmm. or i have always felt that that's why i think i've always gone back to wherever they are and um they in the last six years bought a house in england um so they spend six months of the year in Egypt and six months of the year in the UK and I, I go to visit them wherever they are and I realized when I am in the UK with them I feel quite complete and when I'm in Egypt with them I feel quite complete um, so it doesn't really matter which which one they go to obviously in Egypt I've got more friends but it I just feel more grounded when I'm around them oh. um, so I'd say where my parents are so it's been very difficult being here without them um but now of course i'm a new mom and i have a five-month-old son so this throws a whole different thing into the equation and only now recently am i starting to feel like perth is somewhere that i can be for the long term for my son mm -hmm. it just uh, feels very different now it's it's a much more selfless way of being which i don't mm -hmm. mind it's quite refreshing yeah. actually so it's not about yeah. me anymore i get a bit tired yeah. sometimes like <laughs> um yeah but up until this point it's always been i think where my parents are mm -hmm. nice. Mara, i'm gonna ask you we we spoke just briefly um prior to our chat now and i know you have a new book um that's been published would you like to tell me a bit about that yeah i'd love to i'm super excited about it it's called my patchwork life and it's available on amazon now in kindle mm -hmm. and on paperback and um i've always wanted to write a book i've always been a writer i've always written poems and songs and uh, articles and magazines and i knew that i was going to write a book someday but i just wasn't ready to write it um and i had 
started many books along the way and not finished them. This is a supposed to be a lighthearted story and it's definitely taken from experiences in my life. Uh, people mm. will think it is my life story. It isn't my, I haven't done that one yet, the autobiography, which wow, I want to do. Spice. <gasps> yeah, definitely. I want to do one about my life, but this one is, um, it's sort of, um, I've taken parts of my life, big parts, but I've also changed things and I've um, exaggerated things. And um, so it's a, it's a story of a girl, an Egyptian girl. It's going to sound exactly like me, but she's 34, <laughs> 42. And she, she uh, does have a very varied background. Um, and she ends up in Egypt, but not very fulfilled. And she's dying to meet the one, Mr. Wright. And uh, so she it, it's a story that uh, that sort, sort of um takes you on this journey with her meeting all these different men and going on different dates and um some are disastrous and it's just a it's just supposed to be a light-hearted funny humorous book and then she decides to leave Egypt and she goes to Singapore and of course I that comes from my life because but I think for me I can only I write the best one and when I've been to a place where I know what I'm talking about, as opposed to let's write a story based in, um, you know, Spain, uh, like I've never been to Spain before. So it'd be very difficult for me to, I'd have to do a lot of research. And mm -hmm. um, I, I prefer to, to use things that I, that I know about, because um, it just comes more naturally. Um, so yeah, so it's, it takes place in the two places, Cairo and Singapore. And it's basically about Meha's uh, journey or her uh, encounters with different uh different men uh, so it's supposed to just be like a love story but i call it an intercultural love story because she's lived in all these different places as well so um yeah it's supposed to be an easy light read um poolside reading a bit of chiclet <laughs> yeah great I, I look forward to getting a copy cool so on the um subject of relationships it's a point that comes up frequently is tck's and relationships should they be with monoculturals or should they be with other tck's what works best what what are your views on that well, i definitely wish there were answers and, and i could tell you the correct answer is tck should be with tck's i mean that might work out but uh, obviously there isn't an answer, um, a correct yeah. answer, but I would think that um, my dad used to say, he used to say, um, and I quote him, and he's, he, English is a second language, so you have to remember that, but he used to say, marry okay. from your own stock. <laughs> I, I eat, you know, be with someone mm. sort of like you. Um, and then I would look at him and say, but dad, you didn't do that. You know, you married mom and she's English and you're Egyptian. So what, what do you mean? So I, I suppose it doesn't really um, make, I'll say make a huge difference. Uh, if, if you are from different cultures, um, although I think that it probably would help if you're from a similar culture. Um, and I think because TCKs are from so many different places, it would probably be, um, it would make more sense if you were with someone that had that similar experience of being from nowhere and everywhere at the same time. Mm. But, you know, life doesn't always work that way. Right. So we don't always meet, you know, another TCK, sure. but I would think, I would imagine on paper that that would, that makes more sense. 
Tamara, our time has been flying by as they always do on these um, podcasts. I like to wrap up on a positive note. And so my last question is, what would you say is one of the best things about being a TCK? Um, well, you know, I think one of the best things is having the ability to see different sides of the coin always and knowing that there isn't one way of doing something there is a multitude of ways of doing it and um there's just such a richness in diversity um and as a tck you know that you just know Mm -hmm. it off the bat you know it's just like that's a given whereas you do meet people that don't get that because they have a whole different story and they've lived maybe in one place um and it's hard though, it's frustrating and hard for a TCK to meet people that don't get it. Cause you're like, that's just the truth. You know, that's how it is. That's how the world works. And so I'm, I feel very lucky that I know that. And I have, I have that insight. Mm, and it, it is, it's a beautiful insight to have. Yeah. Tamara, thank you so much for the time today. I really enjoyed chatting with you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't ramble. I feel like I've just been rambling on and on. <laughs> Not at all. I'm sure our listeners will be very pleased to hear Sorry. So thank you. Well, yeah, thanks very much for having me. Thanks for listening to People Like Us. If you'd like to join an online community full of people like us, hop over to Facebook and search for People Like Us. You'll find my group, and you're very welcome to join us.